1: Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, everyone. This is Steve Eschbach.
2: I am the owner of Transworld Business Advisors here in Naperville, Illinois. We are the largest and fastest growing business brokerage in the world. And I am your host for Building Better Businesses. I thank you very much for joining us. I'm excited about the fact that we have a repeat customer, so to speak, Paul Moore, who was my guest earlier. uh, And Paul is the managing partner and founder at Wellings Capital. We'll give him a moment to explain more about his business, but we're not going to go down memory lane. We did that the first time. But when we left off the call last time, the podcast last time, Paul wanted to get a little bit deeper into. Uh, the mechanics and the benefits of commercial real estate investing. So we're going to get into that in a minute. But first, Paul, remind our audience who it is you are, where you are, what business you run, a little bit about your background to get you where you are today.
0: Yeah, I was two-time Entrepreneur of the Year finalist when I owned a business in Michigan. And uh, I sold that staffing firm in 1997. I did not know the difference, as I said last time, between investing and speculating. And I speculated a lot, invested a little, and I made a lot of money, but I lost a whole lot of money as well. And if I would have only known at the time the difference between investing and speculating, if I'd only known about the power of commercial real estate to build wealth. I can tell you, Steve, I never would have done anything else, at least from the time I sold my company. and I had those funds that I basically blew and had to restart 10 years later. Anyway, that's Paul, who I am.
2: Yeah, Paul, that demonstrates that. Um, how, how am I going to put this? Um, you've, you've gone through a number of learning experiences. I don't use the word mistakes anymore because for someone like you, for someone like me, we're entrepreneurs. Uh, we need to kind of put our feet in the water, see if it's right. If it's right, if it's not, take our feet out and go somewhere else. But so we're going to talk a little bit more about the mechanics of commercial real estate investing, but tell me a little bit about what you learned. You talked about speculating versus investing. So yeah, I'm going to guess yeah. that what you did in the so-called speculative arena were where you got your feet wet for purposes of developing your investment focus. So if I yeah. misrepresented that question take us to where we want to go. You did something, you didn't quite get to where you wanted to be. You learned right. something that you went forward. So that's a wide open area for you to tell us where we're going to go on this. stuff. Yeah.
0: Thanks for asking, Steve. You know, I, when you throw a million dollars down a hole in the ground, that wasn't my million. I had a lot of that, but my, I have friends who put in most of that, the vast majority of that. But when you throw a million dollars down a hole in the ground, expecting it to Cough up 10 or even $50 million in oil, that's speculating. When you invest in a wireless internet company with technology that is not quite proven in the North Dakota tundra, you are speculating. You know, investing is when your principal is generally safe and you have a chance to make a return, and speculating is when your principal is not at all safe and you've got a chance to make a return. And I, like I, you know, have said many times, I've I quoted Paul Samuelson. He says investing should be boring. Investing should be more like watching paint dry or watching grass grow. If you want excitement, take $800 and go to Las Vegas. Now, he was the first economist to win the Nobel Peace Prize from the U.S., and he was a pretty smart guy. Buffett talks about the same thing. You know, Warren Buffett talks about the importance of protecting your principle first before making a profit. And so I learned a lot of hard lessons in that over the years. And like I said, I made some money, but I lost some money as well. Lost a lot of money. In fact, I have a podcast called How to Lose Money.
2: Interesting. And again, it's not for the purposes of losing money. I got to believe it's for the purposes of learning what not to do. And when you talk about speculating and investing, you didn't quite say it, but I think there's a lot of due diligence that has to preclude you taking that investing step. Now, earlier on, I think you mentioned speculating. Maybe that was not as disciplined or focused as it is now. So before we get into your mathematics of real estate, what were kind of two of the three things that... Gee, I'm never going to do that again when I put my money to use.
0: Well, first of all, I don't want to invest the. Uh, let's say I, I would never do it. Say it exactly this way, but I'm just going to exaggerate a tiny bit for the purposes of explaining it here. If you put all your money into double or nothing bets, you'll eventually end on land on nothing, and then you'll have nothing left to double and you have a chance to start over again. And that was my mindset at the time. If I found something really, really good, I would throw all the available cash I could at it. I mean, I even sold a lamp once to, no, I'm kidding, that was a joke. But seriously, I I would take all the available cash I could and throw it at that. And now I realize what financial planners have known for centuries, and that is you only want to put a small amount of your investable capital into something speculative. Even if you're investing in something speculative, um, you know, I mean, you may, I call it entrepreneurial investing. I'm talking to entrepreneurs here today, right, Steve? And entrepreneurs love the thrill of the chase. Well, I think, again, if you could make your investing as boring as possible, you'll probably make more money in the end. Jeff Bezos was the consummate entrepreneur. I mean, what, 26 years ago, he was in his garage with some money that he had and his parents had starting Amazon, and now he's the wealthiest guy in the world. Lots of books written about his incredible, daring speculation. Same with Google and Apple and many others. Those stories are exciting. But Warren Buffett was asked, hey, in fact, Jeff Bezos reportedly asked him at Sun Valley, Idaho. He said, hey, um, your strategy is not that hard to replicate. Why don't people do just, why don't they just follow you? And Buffett reportedly said, no, 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 no. Nobody wants to get wealthy that slow.
2: Interesting. So now we're going to move back to what you really wanted to talk about. And something that I think some, and I deal a lot with executives in transition who are calling me up about these business uh, investment opportunity. Basically, they want to buy a business. But I think what you're going to talk about, if you've got a set amount to invest, and you have a different amount of expected cash flow or ROI, return on your investment. Tell me about the mathematics of commercial real estate investing, because I think that is often overlooked, but I think you're going to tell me differently. We should be giving that more consideration.
0: Yeah, it is um, amazing to me, the power of commercial real estate to sustain wealth and in some cases to grow wealth. A lot of the Forbes 400, the wealthiest people in the world, had money when they got started, like you know, like Walmart kids or the Kraft family or different people like that. Well, they had money to start with and they want to perpetuate it. And almost all of them invest in commercial real estate, other things as well. But the reason I think people invest in commercial real estate, number one is cash flow. Number two, appreciation. And number three, tax savings. In fact, it's possible to save enough money on taxes that you wouldn't ever have to pay taxes. If you do things perfectly, if you roll from one investment to another using 1031 exchanges, bonus depreciation, all kinds of opportunities we have as commercial real estate investors, it's possible that you will not have to pay taxes on your gains for many years or even decades. I even know somebody who was in there. I think they were the third generation uh, who'd not paid taxes on the commercial real estate that they had. So tax savings are quite powerful. But what I want to talk about now is the value proposition. This is what I call the hidden secret of commercial real estate. That value equation is actually quite simple. Before I tell you about that, let me tell you about Jeff Bezos again. Jeff, Went around the Amazon facilities in the world and he reportedly took the light bulbs out of all of the vending machines. Why would he do such a thing? Well, he thought that it was a waste of electricity to advertise Lance snacks or whatever. And he said it was also a waste of a a maintenance person's time and the cost of the light bulb to install it. And he said, why should we do this? So he took that out. Here's the thing. Jeff knows that every dollar he can save is a dollar he makes. And every dollar he makes, let's say it's a dollar a month he can save. Well, that's $12 a year. <laughs> Real good math there, right? Now, $12 a year is, that sounds like a, you know, a small amount of money to worry about. Why would he worry about that? Well, because there's a price to earnings ratio, and you're well aware of that in your business building business selling world the price earnings ratio says that if jeff bezos saves $12 or makes 12 he actually will have a multiplier effect and that might be let's say 20 to 1 i'm just using that as an example okay and so that's $240 in his pocket and the shareholders pocket so a dollar saved turns out to $240 in value. Well, commercial real estate is quite similar. In fact, I would argue it's a little more powerful. The value equation goes like this. It's similar. It's the value of the business, or which also means the increased value of the business in some cases, is the net operating income divided by the rate of return. So it's the NOI divided by the cap rate. Now, the cap rate Is the capitalization rate. And that's what a business owner, a commercial real estate investor in this case, would expect to get in return with no leverage for this asset in this condition, in this location, at this period in history. Okay. So a cap rate used to run maybe eight, 10, 12%. Now they're typically running four and a half to seven percent. But what that means is when you divide by the net income divided by the cap rate, you get your multiplier, if you will, and that produces the value. So here's a quick example. We invested in a mobile home park. Let's say, to make round numbers here, that it was five million dollars. Okay. And let's say there was 2 million in equity, 2 million in cash in that 5 million, and 3 million in debt. So there was a modest. leverage on this this, uh, mobile home park. Now, the owner of the mobile home park drove around, and he said, right after they took it over, he said, man, there's three or four cars in front of some of these mobile homes. Some of them are on blocks. And there are boats and RVs and work trailers. We got to clean this place up so we can increase the rents. And he said, I'm going to uh, clean this place up. I noticed there was a lot of vacant land out front. So he went and paved an acre out front and he put a really nice fence around it with a really nice gate. And then he said, hey, if you've got a third or fourth or fifth car, boat, RV, work trailer, anything else that's unusual above your two cars, then you have to park it inside this gated area and we're gonna charge you for that. When he filled that up, he then when he filled it up with people from the park, I should say, he had more room left. So he went out and advertised on Craigslist as boat and RV storage. Now, when it's full, when it was full, he was charging $10,000 a month in total for this. And his manager was able to do it for no increased cost. I mean, obviously, there's not a lot of cost to running a little a gated area like that. And so for a hundred thousand dollars, which is what he spent, he's now making 120,000 a year. Well, that sounds really good, but it's much better than that. Let's do the math. So, 120,000 is the net operating income increase in this case. Divide that by a normal cap rate. Remember, the value is the NOI divided by the cap rate. Divide it by six percent. When you divide 120,000 dollars, by 6%, you get the increase value of that business. So you divide 120000 by 0.06, and you get an increase value of $2 million on that mobile home park. Well, let's do the math on that. That's a 40% increase in the value of the park. I mean, that's like 10% return times four years. That's pretty good. But it's much better than that because remember there was 3 million in leverage 3 million in debt and the bankers don't share in that profit only the equity holders get that profit well 2 million in equity just went from 2 million to 4 million it doubled the value of the investor's stake and that's before they raised rents that's before they passed utilities back to the tenants that's before they you know that's before they uh filled 20 or 30 vacant lots with mobile homes that's before they added internet and cable that they sold to the residents when you add all that in you've got the chance that that 2 million dollar investment could easily be worth 5 6 7 8 million dollars and If you don't believe, if you think I'm exaggerating, I can tell you we did a deal last year in Louisville, Kentucky that had about that type of metric. It had a 3.4x multiple on invested cash in 10 months. And it was doing stuff like this that got us there. So the ability to force appreciation in commercial real estate is powerful. And it's, again, why I think the Forbes 400 mostly invest in commercial real estate. So, Paul, I'm
2: listening to your story, which is fascinating, and, and you can clearly see how leverage can kind of double what your return could be. But what I'm hearing you say, or my, my observation is that if you look and observe and then determine what could be the next step, that's where the power of that investing could be. Because if you were a passive manager, or if you just said, you know what, they're paying rent on time, I don't care much about anything else, but you drove by, and you saw multiple layers of extra cars and extra boats, and it kind of looked unsightly. Well, for a small investment, you're able to increase return. It demonstrates that you, know, you just can't invest and then leave it. You've got to be able to follow it up, check on it. Am I kind of right in saying that, Paul? Is that what you're advocating there?
0: Steve, it feels like you were reading my playbook because that is so insightful. I'll tell you, self-storage and mobile home parks in particular are easy to run if you want a mediocre facility. But if you want a high-performing facility, it's a lot of work. And it's the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic value. My son just bought a piece of property in the Blue Ridge Mountains And he paid uh, $210,000. And the seller thought, wow, this is a rugged piece of mountain land. $210,000, that was great for him. And it really was. It was much, much more than he had paid or much more than the tax value. He was very happy to get that because he lived far away and he didn't care about it and all that stuff. And it wasn't producing anything. Well, my son knows that he can probably timber it and make 200000 from the timber. He might be able to get a cell tower on it. He might be able to split it into lots. There's all kinds of things he could do. He might be able to lease it for hunting land and while he's waiting to sell it. And so he can make a lot more money because he's actively managing it. And that's the power of investing with a professional commercial real estate operator. I'm getting excited talking about it. I got to go find something else to buy. So this brought to mind a story. I moved to Denver, Colorado in the
2: late 1990s. And between the time we moved to our house, I was staying at a uh, an offsite uh, apartment complex and I went to a local church and I take a look up the steeple and there were all these metal things. and so This is the late 90s. Not too many <laughs> people know about cell phone towers. So out of the blue, and I don't, I mean, I always do this. So tell me, why is it that metal on top of your church steeple? And they said that's a revenue source for that church. Nice. So I think it goes to show you that if you look and you observe, then you can learn. So the other contrary to you, what you're saying here is I'm driving around all of Chicagoland and I'm seeing a lot of these strip centers and it's almost 40% vacancy.
0: Yeah, so, right.
2: So what I'm hearing you say is that you've chosen mobile parks and uh, you've chosen your investment storage facilities because they tend to be a little bit more, I guess, in demand or you can get the revenue sources a lot better. A strip center, you're talking about multiple different stores. And, you know, in this environment, I'm going to ask you about that in a second. In this environment, some of the business entities, do they go back and reopen? You know, restaurants are number one. Some of the other places that yeah. are just not doing it. Has any of this COVID-19 uh, affected your thesis as far as mobile homes and uh, storage facilities from a commercial real estate investment perspective? Has there been any adverse or maybe no. not adverse?
0: No, not so far. I mean, let's be honest. If you look around the world, my friend's uh, on a plane to go to Sudan tomorrow, and he said that the devastation from COVID in Ethiopia, Sudan, Mexico, Venezuela, all of these countries around the world has been horribly devastating. So far, the United States has been very blessed in our opportunity to fight it off by you know, printing money, by being the reserve currency, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and self-storage and mobile home parks have not had any problems to speak of. But you do remind me of something. I was driving on I-94, coming out of downtown Chicago to go back toward O'Hare Airport. My wife was actually driving the car and I was writing a book on self-storage. I was typing it and we passed a Kmart on the left, which had a huge sign you know, for lease. It was an empty Kmart building. And I was writing right then about the power of taking retail strip centers and converting them to self-storage. A friend of mine named A.J. Osborne took a Super Kmart in Reno, Nevada. He bought it. He first sold off the parking lot to apartment developers because it was in a great location, obviously, and he made millions from doing that. We only had two and a half million cash in it. After that, and five million in debt, so seven and a half million total, if I remember right, he actually cut the Kmart in half, and he that caused him to that allowed him to get more external self storage, and then he made into two beautiful climate-controlled self storage facilities on the insides. They already had you know the floors and the doors and the walls and the climate control and all that. And he got an offer after he had it 40% full. Now remember, he had two and a half million cash in it, five million debt. He got an offer for 26 million dollars after being 40% filled up. So, my friends, there is power in the intrinsic value of commercial real estate versus the extrinsic, which what it appears to be an extrinsic value. The intrinsic value can be extracted by somebody, like you said, Steve, somebody who knows what they're doing and can see past what it is to what it could be. Powerful point, powerful point.
2: Unfortunately, we're at the end of our 20 minutes. I'm not sure if we're going to come back for rounds three and four, but I guess the key thing that we had from this conversation is that for those who are looking to, quote, build better businesses, sometimes a real estate investment is an alternative to the return that you're looking for, think you would get out of just operating a business. I think that's what I'm hearing you say.
0: That's it. You got it. Like I said, when I sold my company for several million dollars back in the nineties, if I would have known what I just told you, I would have had incredible wealth now, 24 years later. Uh, Instead, I'm happier because I'm actually teaching other people to do it. And I have the wealth building under my belt. and It's happening as we speak. And I'm actually glad the way it happened. Like you keep saying, Steve, it's not mistakes, it's learning opportunities. And I wouldn't be on this podcast if I would have had the success. But I mean, I wish for your viewers, anybody who sells their company or has XX cash flow, that they would not make the mistakes I've made. And that's why I'm on the show today.
2: Good for you. Hey, one last comment I'm going to make before we find out exactly where we can go to find out more about you. But when I get this podcast to the level that I can get Jeff Bezos on here and interview him like I did with you, I'm going to see how many Paul Moore stories he has for me. Like go <laughs> so with great. that. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Before you go, we gotta gotta get a little plug for you. Where can we go find out more about Paul? And uh, Wellings Capital. Ironically, the number two, I- the two top items mobile homes, storage facility. But tell us more about where we can find more information about you, Paul.
0: Yeah, you can get a special report on both of those assets. And you can sign up for a free commercial real estate course on audio or on email. And that's at WellingsCapital.com, W E L L I N G S C A P I T A L, WellingsCapital.com. Paul, thanks so much. And I appreciate your insights
2: on commercial real estate for our audience. Thank you so much. It's an honor to
0: be here.
1: Thank you. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.